I am so grateful for the privilege that I get to walk with you as we follow Jesus. I don't say that enough, but as your pastor, I'm going to say it again. I am so grateful that I have the privilege of walking with you as we follow Jesus. It's, it's a great honor. In the last couple of weeks, is, there have been powerful reminders that the Christian life is meant to be lived together. That can't be understated. Um, our lives together, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, are, are meant to be lived together. And as we walk through good times, here's what I found. They're much sweeter when you share them with, the, with brother, sister, and Christ. And when you walk through hard times, the burdens can even be turned into blessings. I've seen that this week. So I count it a privilege as we walk together. Keep walking with one another. I, I want to just see where you're at this morning. Uh, uh, this is a, 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 a thing we do together as we study God's word. We're doing this together. So right from the start, I want you to be involved. I want you to turn to someone around you and say this simply. It's good to walk with you. Say that. It's good to walk with you. Let somebody know that. Awesome. Now, as we walk together through our lives as a church family, as a community, as individual families, and today we're going to focus on this, this concept of marriage between a husband and a wife, where we've got to be reminded to stay focused on Jesus. Today we're going to celebrate and grow in God's design to walk well with our spouse. Uh, and so today as we do this together, I just kind of want to get a, a feel for the room. 8.30 and 10.45 are sometimes very different. So I want to just kind of see who I'm working with this morning. So do this with confidence if you're married. Raise your hand if you have a spouse. Do it with confidence. Uh, your spouse will feel good about that. If you do one of these, it's not going to go so well, guys, okay? So raise your hand. Yes, okay. Uh, secondly, um, a lot of them in the room, how many of you currently don't have a spouse? And God blesses that as well. Life of singleness. Yeah, raise with confidence. Singles unite. Now let's do this to know who we're working with even more. Who would like a spouse that doesn't have one? Raise your hand. Look around. That's who you're working with today, okay? You just get a, keep your hands up if you want to really be involved in that. All right. But in all honesty, if you're married today, I want to encourage you and strengthen you as husband and wife as you continue to walk together as God's designed. Walk, walk well in that. And if you're not married and would like to someday be married, I pray that the words from God's word and some advice I give will help you find a spouse so you can walk well with together. But we need to understand something at the very beginning of this, that marriage... And the sanctity of marriage, as God has designed, is under attack in today's world. It has been for a long time. This is nothing new. But so for a while, we pretend like it wasn't there. Uh, it is under attack. It's under attack by media and culture. It, it's most specifically under attack at the core of it. Satan despises marriage. He, he's trying to break it up. He, he's constantly uh, uh, attacking uh, your marriage and the marriage concept of the world. And unless we purposely pursue God's will and seek him first in our marriages, we're not going to walk together long. In fact, we're going to fall apart. So if you want to be normal, what normal is, is, is a marriage that falls apart. If we're not careful, we'll end up looking like the 70-year-old man from uh, Kansas City. How many Kansas City fans are in the room? All right, yeah. Uh, Eagle fans, uh, can I hear from you? All right, you know, I'm just hoping for a good game. But this guy was from Kansas City. He is from Kansas City. 70 years old when this happened, he decided to rob a bank in Kansas City, a big bank. True story. It went viral a couple years ago. This guy walks into the bank, 
has, you know, his hand in his pocket, walks up to the teller and says, hey, give me all the money you have, put in this bag, and nobody's going to get hurt. The teller does what he says, loads up his bag with all the money he has. Strangely enough, this is where the story goes viral. The 70-year-old man goes to the other side of the, the bank area, sets down in the lobby, and just peacefully sits there, waits for the police to arrive, and sure enough, in just a matter of minutes, the police arrive and arrest him. And the arresting officer says, hey, why did you rob this bank and sit there and wait for us to arrest you? And the guy says, I'd rather go to jail than live another day at home with my wife. <laughs> says, I'd just rather go to lock me up, you know, throw away the key. True story, Mr. Ripple. Strangely enough, he stood before a judge in the Kansas City area. Wise judge. And he listened to the story, listened to the facts. And based on the law, the man was uh, due to get 37 months in prison and have a felony. The judge looked over all the details, and strangely enough, the judge sentenced him to six months house arrest. <laughs> True story. You know, you, you know what's going on. How do so many couples, here's where... Here's where the reality hits the road. How do so many couples, maybe couples like you or who you know, how do we go from walking together well to saying we're living in hell? And I don't want any part of it. How does God's design for marriage fall apart with so many couples when his design is for a lifetime for a husband and wife to come together to thrive spiritually, sexually, financially? In every way, we're meant to thrive under his design, and yet so many of us don't walk well together. Stats don't lie. Stats haven't changed much. It's still around the same. The first marriages are still hovering, if you're normal, at a 50% divorce rate, maybe 49 if we're lucky. And second marriages aren't very good at all. 67% of second marriages end in divorce. So how can we walk well with our spouse? Some of you who are hoping for a, a very emotional Valentine's Day, especially if you're dating, oh, I really oh, want this to propel us to the next level. So far, this is kind of a killjoy, and I'm sorry. But if we're normal, this is what's going to happen. But what does God say about walking well with our spouse? Look what he says. Look what Jesus says in Mark 10. From the beginning of creation, he says, I'm going to go back to the beginning. God's had a design for this. God made them male and female. The genders he made were male and female, Jesus acknowledges. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined with his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they'll no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate Jesus, uh, as he's talking about marriage, he goes back to the very beginning. He says, hey, by the way, a marriage is for a husband and a wife. And when they're together, what God joins is not just this loose union, but it is a covenant, not a contract, that is meant forever until they are taken apart by death or Jesus returns. They're, they're united. It's a supernatural union. Uh, in today's world, we, we think, oh, well, it's, it's, it's the biggest agreement we'll ever make into. No, it is a covenant between the husband and wife and God. It is spiritually supernatural. It's a beautiful image of two becoming one. It's this idea that we're changed from me to we in every sense of the word. It's this idea of literally walking together with our spouse you can see that in the text. 
The first word for joined here in the, the Greek language is different than the second word. The first word is strong. Jesus is saying, hey, when these two are joined together, they'll leave their father and mother and they'll be united. They'll kind of be linked together. It's kind of like this idea you're glued. You know, we're stuck together. But what you can do with two different things that are stuck together, they can be pulled apart and it's painful. That Greek word there is strong, and it's meaning that these people are to be permanently together, but they can be separated. The second Greek word that Jesus used here, he says, therefore, what God has joined, same English word, but it's a different Greek word, is a much stronger word. As I was looking through some of my uh, word tools, my language tools, and focused on the Greek this week, uh, some of my initial tools didn't even know what to do with the second word. They didn't give a translation for it, other than joined. But after digging a little further, it, it literally means this. The first one is kind of like taking a mixture, two different things, and putting them together, and they can be separated pretty easily. The second one is like taking uh, two uh, specific metals or elements and fusing them together, uh, like we make iron and another uh, material, and we make steel. When, when God puts two unique things together, and they're molded in marriage, in the covenant of marriage, they are bound, and they cannot be separated. It's a strong word that makes the sense that they are to be together forever, united. You might be saying, well, that's Jesus' take on that. That's what Jesus says. But he's quoting what God did. And look what God says in Genesis 2. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man that should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. I also want to acknowledge right here, that there is people who have been blessed with the gift of celibacy, a, a gift to be alone for a lifetime. Uh, the Apostle Paul even says, some of you should, should obtain to, to be single. It, it, may be, it may be exactly what God has called for you. Uh, this idea that we're all to be married is something that American culture kind of has pushed on us. But God himself says that we are not meant to live in, in isolation where it's not good for us to be alone. And so in Genesis 2, God makes for Adam this perfect helper. And sometimes we think that that's all we've got to find is that perfect one. If you're single, you're, you're probably looking for that one. You know, that idea that if I can just find the right one, everything will be right, right? Wrong. Especially if God's not in it. And that's what we want to focus on today. Is God really at the center of it? If we believe seeking that perfect spouse is the most important part of marriage, we'll make a mess of it. Because you know the reality about each and every one of the person you'll ever think about marrying or any couple, every uh, part of a marriage has an imperfect person on both sides. And when we think that one is going to solve all the answers and they're perfect and there won't be a problem, we're going to make a mess and we're going to not walk together very long. So if you're married, grab a hold of your spouse right now. Grab a hold of their hand. We won't do this long. I'll break it up in just a minute, okay? Grab a hold of their hand and turn to them and say, I love you, but you're not perfect. Go for it. I love you, but you're not perfect. Let them know it. Stop. Split up. Don't hold hands anymore for a second. Now, here's the thing. Some of you enjoyed that a little too much. You know, you could hear it in the room. But we need to be reminded, guys, that while you might find that mate, that partner, that one you're bound to, that you're united with, they're not perfect. And nor am I. Tiffany was here first service, and I got a big amen from the back corner. I said, nobody's perfect in a marriage. Amen. She said, come on, you know. <laughs> but still, we're programmed to find that one. TV and social media and movies, if you can just find that one 
Everything will be happy. Everything will be perfect. No, it's not the way it is, especially if we leave God out of it. So we spend so much of our time seeking that one. Uh, Guys go out looking for that special girl. I was a guy at one time looking for that special girl. You know, you go out looking for that special girl and it looks a little like this. You're looking for that nice young lady who is smart and funny and looks like a a supermodel and cooks like grandma. You know, you you look for all those things. And guys end up uh, finding someone that resembles that a little bit and they go to their buddies and they're like, hey, I think I found the one. How many of you have had somebody tell you, uh, you've seen somebody thinking they found that one and after like a few days, just in the last year, anybody ever, you, you've had that person that get excited, I found the one, and then there's value in that. Or girls run to their friends after finding the one, they're like, oh, he's so cute, he, he's, he listens, and he, he talks, and he talks, and that was my best uh, uh, attempt to do that, no, no. But here's the reality. They're like, I think I found the one. And then when we put all of our stock in that and it doesn't work out, what happens? We focused on the wrong one. I think I met the one. Uh, Don't get me wrong. I pray that each of you who desire marriage and are in a marriage, I pray that that spouse becomes that perfect mate that that helps you become better than you ever were. You know, it's that idea, oh, you complete me. That, That is possible, but they're not perfect. And if we put them on the pedestal as the one, they will let you down. And without God, it will end up mess and messy. I pray that you're blessed, but we've got to put first things first. This is not going to sound very romantic heading into Valentine's Day, but you've got to understand this. That person you're in a relationship with, even if you're engaged or married or you're just dating, they can't be your one. They must become your two as you seek the one together. We sang about it. Our hope is in you, the one, the one we put our hope in. That has to go into our marriages. And I pray that as you hold on to that special someone, that you realize they're really your number two under God, as he's the one. If you want to fail-proof your marriage, we're going to hear more about that later today. Seek to fail-proof your marriage by seeking God as your one. If you're going to walk well together with your spouse, you must seek God first with him or her. God is your one and your spouse is your two. I've been teaching this uh, or learned this early, probably one of the first couple years of ministry. So in premarital counseling and in marriage counseling, I, I will start here often. I'll be like, you have to put God first in this relationship for it to grow, for it to overcome these hurdles. In premarital counseling, it probably happens once a year. I'll be sitting across the table from a, a lovely couple willing to commit their life together, you know, wanting to be married, and, and we'll go through this. Hey, uh, you need to look at each other as two uh, as you pursue the one, and there'll be a well-meaning guy, often in his early 20s, say, by golly, preacher, I don't care what you're saying. This girl is the most important thing in the world. She's my number one. He's like, and you want to fight about it? I'm like, no, thank you. Not today, you know? And I get, their, I get their intensity. What, what a beautiful thing for a woman to hear their uh, fiancé say she's the most important thing in the world. And what they miss is the thing that we need to put one as one is beyond this world. And when God is our one, he will give your relationship, your marriage, your children, your things in the future more than this world ever has to offer. But he's got to be number one. Are we going to be able to seek God as our one with our two? Think about it. I wonder how you're doing with that. 
Think about this. When Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing to do, to love? What's the most important thing to, to wrap your brain around, to live out in your life? Did he say, love your spouse with all your mind, with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your soul? No, he said, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And sometimes we think in, in around Valentine's Day, well, we've got we've to first do that with our spouse. And when we do that and they let us down, we'll often walk apart from each other. If you're married today, I ask you to make this simple commitment that will change your life and your marriage and your children and your relationship. And say this, I will always seek the one with my two. That's the commitment I'm really putting before you. To seek God as your one with your two. And as you do that, you'll walk closer and closer to him. Uh, this is another way to express it. We call it the love triangle. I think I shared this my first year I was here, and we talked about relationship. But in this love triangle, you've got uh, the spouses, male and female, husband and wife. And as they pursue God and commit to him first, the closer they get to God is their number one, the closer they get together. The closer you and your spouse get to God, the closer you are to each other. It's a beautiful thing. Now, I realize some of you are here today without your spouse, Continue to seek God and pray that your spouse would continue to move. But, but they're, they're, the way uh, to really move forward with everything is to put God first. What happens when we put anything else in the number one spot? We call that making an idol. In some marriages, especially around the wedding day, the engagement time, Let's just take for a moment, and uh, if you have been recently engaged, it is very tempting to make your life about your fiancé and put them on one. You know what we call that? Making an idol. It's idolizing them because they're perfect. They do all these things right. But what happens when they let you down, and one day they will because they're human, they're not perfect. Ask any married person in the room. What happens is you'll be hurt, and, and you'll be tempted to walk away. It won't work. Mark Driscoll explained this really well. He's a, a pretty famous preacher that has done a lot of things right and a lot of things really wrong, but I love what he says here. We've got to be careful when we make anything an idol because we'll idolize it, and then whenever it does something wrong, we demonize it and we walk away from it. And we can't do that with our spouses. We may also put children in the number one spot or maybe your job or even the church. God and our relationship with him have to be the number one. Mark Driscoll goes on to ex explain it like this. He says a guy will go out and find this girl they want to idolize, maybe the, the new fiance, the new girlfriend. And he says something like this, oh, she's so organized. She's driven. She's passionate. Uh, she tells me exactly what she likes. And then it flips. Uh, she's a control freak. She nags me all the time. It's either her way or the highway. We go from idolizing to demonizing. We've seen it happen. Or a girl says something like this, oh, he's so cool. He's so laid back. He just listens to me all day long. And then it flips. Oh, he's a bum. He won't get off the couch. He, he'll never lead anything. I can't take him anymore. If you've ever felt that tension, it may be because you put too much stock in that person being perfect, and they're not. And so we idolize them, and then as soon as they let us down, we demonize them, and we're willing to walk away. So how do we walk well with our spouse? Make sure they're not the idol. Make sure they're not number one. Oh, they're number one of this world, but there's something beyond this world, a relationship with God and Jesus I wonder if you've ever idolized something beyond God. Maybe it's your spouse, maybe a child, maybe a job. The remedy is to put first things first and make God number one. This week on social media, I asked the question, what is something that has strengthened your marriage? I was talking to married people. 
Within three days, there were 110 different responses. Man, there was a lot of good advice. If you're on Facebook, that's where it lives right now. You go back and there's a lot of good advice of things that will strengthen your marriage. Had all kinds of different answers, things like this. Oh, you got to add a little bit of humor to your marriage or, or hobbies, two, two good things. What about communication or compassion? Honesty and hard work need to be added. Uh, laughing and listening. Chocolate cake and, and, and compromise was also mentioned. How about this? Date nights and diamonds. Ladies, can I get an amen for Valentine's Day weekend, right? Some of the guys put this, don't sweat the small stuff and lots and lots of sex, okay? That was, that was just what was put on there, okay? All these things can strengthen a marriage. But as I looked at the list of about 50 different things, I was like, how can I begin to communicate that to you so you could apply it to your marriage? And that's not what I want to do today. Because if I put 50 things before you that could all strengthen your marriage, you know how much we would take away and apply? Zero. So then I, I started thinking, what, what's the, the core emphasis of the Facebook post? Like we should be listening to a Facebook post, by the way. Okay, that's flawed right there. But then I, I saw some hope in that. I was, and there was a bunch of them that pointed to putting God first. A lot of people put, hey, make sure you worship together. And if you're here with your spouse today, there, there's a great intimacy that comes from worshiping together. Other people said studying God's word together. What a great piece of advice to let the word win in your marriage, your parenting, or serving together. Today, I walk down the children's hall and I walk down the education wing and I love to see uh, husbands and wives teaching together and, and serving together and leading worship together. I, I love to see that. Uh, that. That all strengthens the marriage or being generous together or witnessing together or fasting or meditating and, and doing devotions together. All that matters. But what if I gave you six or seven things to do in the next 10 minutes? You know how many you'd probably really apply? One, maybe zero. So I'm going to give you one thing. You can leave all those other things behind. Today, I want to give you one great piece of advice to walk well with your spouse together as you seek God. Here it is. You can all do it. Pray together every day. Pray together every day. You're like, well, I don't know if I can do that. You can. And it can strengthen your marriage. It can, it can bring so much blessing and encouragement and, and protection and, and guidance and, and joy. This also goes to those of you who are in a dating relationship. Raise your hand if you're in a dating relationship right now. You're not, you're, you maybe you're engaged, but you're, you're not married, but you're, you're, you need to pay attention to this just for a moment. If you're in a dating relationship right now, one of the greatest things you can do intimately in a dating relationship is pray together. Maybe it starts at a meal, maybe it's at the end of the date right before the goodnight kiss or whatever. Maybe it's at the beginning of the day. Maybe it's uh, in a text. Hey, uh, hey, we're going to go out tonight. This is what we're going to do. And I'm praying for you. Well, what a great intimate thing to do. But in a dating relationship, uh, you should be praying together now. You're like, well, we're going to wait till we're married. What's the chances of all of a sudden when you say I do that you start praying together? I think it's not very high. So, so begin to pray together now. And if you so happen to be with a guy or a girl and you don't see any potential for them praying to you while you're in a dating relationship, you know what I suggest? Find a new boyfriend or girlfriend before the end of the day. Because if you're wanting to follow Jesus and you know you're with someone who has no interest in praying with you now or in the future, you're going to get a point in your relationship or in your marriage and your spiritual uh, focus is going to be so far apart, it's going to be almost impossible to walk together. So let's just end it now. Does it mean they're a bad person? Probably not. 
Does it mean you can't be friends? No. But listen, if the person you're dating is not interested in seeking God in prayer to bless you for direction, for encouragement, then, then you're not meant to be united with them as a brother or sister in Christ. My boys and daughter need to hear that as well. For those of you who are dating and pray well together, be careful. Dating is a time of Twitter patient. If you haven't know what that word is, go watch Bambi, okay? Uh, it's this idea, man, we're brought together and there's this great uh, push together. And when you're praying together, there's a great deal of intimacy and passion that comes forth with this. So be very careful. Here's my instruction to pray if you're in a dating relationship. Do it in a well-lit area or setting up at a table uh, between you and chairs. Because when you're dating, there's this thing that happens. There's spiritual growth that happens. And sometimes we can confuse that for a green light for sexuality to rush in as well. Because the intimacy is so high. So please, if you're in a dating relationship, don't for hours lay under the stars or on your couch and pray together. That leads to things that is not healthy. In fact, it'll lead to an idea that, that we're so connected, it's okay to go ahead and experiment and go a long way sexually, and it will be very costly to your relationship. Let me make this clear. God has made sex for the sanctity of marriage, and he says, keep the marriage bed pure. But if you're married, follow me on this, raise your hand just so I know who I'm working with again. Who's married in the room? You can pray anywhere at any time in any, any situation, okay? And it is good. Are you really talking about prayer and sex? Yes. You know why? Because the Bible talks about it. Look with me to the text. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. This is not funny, but let's read it together. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so that you can give yourself com more completely to prayer. Prayer and sex are to be connected. Uh, sex and spiritual growth are to go hand in hand. Afterward, you should come together again. He's talking about a relationship so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I'm not going to give a lot of my opinion on this. I'm just going to make a statement, or actually two. Some of you have been sexually depriving your spouse for too long, and it's creating unneeded temptation and stress in your marriage. The Bible says don't do that. And some women and men are like, amen, it's Valentine's Day. I hope things change in our house. The Bible says it. Let me tell you this next statement. Some of you have been spiritually starving or depriving your spouse for far too long and is creating unneeded temptation and stress in your marriage what the bible here is saying you're not to starve a person sexually or spiritually in a marriage they go hand in hand and when they come together it is a beautiful thing that thrives and you know who wants to disrupt that more than any he's in the text look what it says and come together so satan won't be able to tempt you he knows that if a couple is not praying together, if they're not having sex, if they're not growing spiritually and sexually, he's got a chance to separate and win the battle. It's important. It's dangerous to think we can do this on our own and not let the word win in this. Satan wants to try uh, to put you on your own so that he can conquer you apart from one another. I hope none of you are thinking, well, I think we'll just keep trying the way we're doing it. We've made it this many years. Man, I sure hope that's not what you're thinking. So what now? Well, begin to pray. It's really pretty simple. I ask you to commit to pray together daily. 
So continually pray together. Uh, The Word of God, I love this passage in the Bible where it says pray continually. That that goes into our marriage relationship. When when God is our number one and our number two most important thing in the whole world, the whole universe is our spouse, we're going to be continually praying about our relationship Uh, and then about our children, about our jobs, about our uh, ministries. We're going to continually be praying and giving thanks. It's not in the text here in my sermon, but this came to me this morning. One of the greatest things you can do for your spouse is have them hear you pray for them and thank God for them. So this is the way it would go. And man, it's so encouraging to me when I hear Tiffany say a prayer like this. It may only be two sentences. God, thank you for Tyson and having been the father he is and the husband he is. And I thank you that that he loves you. A prayer like that for my wife breaks my heart. It, it, it encourages me so much. It gives me so much joy. And, and I know I need to do this more, a prayer like this. Dear Father, thank you for Tiffany, the love of my wife, the, the uh, beautiful woman you've given me. And I thank you for her loving spirit and her, her joyful nature. I thank you for the way that, that she serves as Jesus serves. I thank you that you've given her to me to be my, my wife. A prayer like that strengthens my wife more than anything I think I could give her on Valentine's Day or any day of the, of the year. Pray continually for one another and give thanks. You might go, well, that's too deep. Maybe you simply be, continue to pray at mealtime or maybe early in the morning at the end of the day or just uh, throughout the day say, honey, I prayed for you. It'll make a difference. Or pray together with the kids. Start that way. Take a moment and just be silent with your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend and say, hey, right now, uh, uh, you, somebody's going to have to step up in this and we haven't been praying, but the way we're going to start in this is we're both just going to be silent and know that we're silently praying for each other. That, that's a good start. I know over the years, Tiffany and I have not done this perfect, but I think in some way, I will tell you that we have prayed with each other or for each other every day. Now, we haven't had a perfect method, and there's times whenever it's not went uh, as well as I like, but it's a major part of life, and I praise God for that. On some of our darkest nights, and I would say there's been a half dozen to ten of these, and, and here's what I was trying to recall this week. What were, the, what were the details of these nights? And I can't even really tell you, so it's just a reminder. There's nights when you think the world is overwhelming, and a few years down the road, you don't even remember how God pulled you through. But there's been a few nights where we've laid in bed, maybe overwhelmed by uh, a physical sickness in the family or a death, or maybe it's a spiritual attack, or maybe it's literally a storm, maybe a tornado's going through the area, and you know you're just laying there with your spouse and and you can't really sleep, you're nervous, a little bit anxious. And, And in my wiser moments, you know what I do during those times whenever maybe it's been an hour of just laying there and you realize she's awake and and you're awake, maybe you've also been arguing, whatever it may be, whatever the details. In my wisest moments, you know what I usually do is I grab her hand, I said, Tiffany, let's pray. And what happens is we're drawn together and we're drawn closer to God. And more times than not, uh, the, the, the stress of the world begins to d- dissipate by the Holy Spirit entering into our, our marriage and our hearts. And I love this about it too. I can often fall asleep in all honesty. Who likes to lay there in torture of anxiety? And when you come together with your spouse, he draws you to him and to one another, and a blessing flows. And you're drawn together. And you become more likely when you're praying to worship like you are today. Maybe if you're here today without your spouse, I salute you and pray that that spouse would pursue the Lord with you in worship. 
I would suggest when you pray together, you're often more likely to be in the Word together and to serve together and to, to share in your generosity together. Maybe it's to join a, a Sunday school class or a small group, or maybe it's just supporting one another. You're more likely to raise your kids uh, under God's design together. You're more likely just literally to walk well together, starting with prayer, saying, God, help me. Bless my spouse. Help me to be the husband you've called me to be. You know what I found whenever I pray for our marriage? You know, something's changed a lot of times. And maybe there's stress, maybe there's argument, and I literally come before God and say, God, help us. We need your help. You know what changes first and most is me because I'm the one praying. My heart is often changed, and I see her perspective in a new way. Now, there are times when God does a lot of shaving or chopping on my heart or my, my attitude, and he may do a little uh, polishing on Tiffany, okay? But when you pray, your heart is the one that's open to change first, and I would encourage you to pray, and you'll walk well together. Practically speaking, I have found that it's really hard to fight for very long at all if you're praying for each other regularly. Now, it's possible. You can do it. But you get out of that argument a lot quicker if you agree to pray. I found it also, uh, from my experience, it's very hard to get hooked on pornography if you're praying for your spouse, male or female. It's really hard to have uh, uh, an affair outside of your marriage and have sex with someone else when you're praying for your spouse every day. It just doesn't happen as much. Let me suggest to you, when you are willing to pray for your spouse and speak highly of them, temptation fades away. That's what the scripture said. Uh, don't uh, quit doing these things uh, for so long or temptation will come. When you're praying, when you're, when you're uh, providing for your spouse in many ways, you'll be drawn near to them. So let me give you some practical advice, especially the young men. When you find sexual temptation is real, begin to pray for your girlfriend or your spouse. When you're in a situation, it hasn't happened before a long time, and you feel like, hey, this feels a little bit seductive. I feel like I'm being drawn into to this relationship, and I don't want to be. Uh, pray for your spouse first, and then begin to run. And if you can't run at the moment, start talking highly of your spouse out loud. Boy, uh, my girlfriend's coming here anytime. My wife's uh, supposed to be here anytime, and she is great. When you feel you're being led astray or you're being seduced by the world or some sexual uh, sin, speak highly and pray for your girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, spouse. And don't forget this. It pays off. It's really hard to enter into a divorce when you're praying for someone daily. I'm sure it's happened, but when both spouses are praying daily, uh, what I found is people don't separate. They stay together. And you're like, boy, Tyson, there at the end, you kind of lost me. It kind of is like more preacher stuff. It seems really uh, spiritually elite, and, and I don't know if we could ever do that. We've never really prayed together, and you're asking me to pray every day. I think I'll just kind of kind of play it normal. You know what normal is? Divorced. And if you like the odds, 50-50, that being normal is the way to try, uh, it, it breaks my heart. But I long for the day where God's church is different from the world. The world will tell you that the church uh, divorce statistics are no different in the world, and that's not true. For people that really put God first and seek him every day in prayer, it is a different statistic. In fact, the Family Life Ministry did a survey not long ago and found that through the power of prayer, uh, marriages that pray together really do stay together. They, they found this. Only 8% of Christian couples pray together regularly. Only 8%. You're like, oh, we've got to be better than that. We're probably at least 9 or 11 you know, in, in our church. Maybe. 
But of those couples that do pray together, less than 1% divorce. I'll take those odds. Does it mean you're, you're immune? It does not. Does my heart go out to those of you who've suffered divorce? Maybe your parents have divorced, it does. But what we're fighting for today, from this day forward, is to walk well with our spouse, to have marriage as the model, the relationship between Christ and his church, so that we will shine for him. And if you take a step forward today in marriage, in your prayer life, seeking God, you'll be blessed. You might say, well, we've not been living it. We've been married 40 years. We've not been praying together. Start today. It can only get better. Tyson, we, we, we've made it five years already. And it's been tough. And, and, and we've never really prayed together beyond a meal. Man, start from this day forward and you will be blessed. Let's walk together with one another well, seeking God first. Next week, we're going to move on to this relationship series and walking well with our children. So, so most of us have children lives, maybe our niece or nephew or grandparents a grandchild, maybe our own children, or maybe just a kid across the street. How do we walk well with them as we follow Christ? We're going to find out about that next week. But if you want to know more about how to strengthen your marriage, how to fail-proof it, I want to invite you to a class that's going to happen in March with Tiffany and I going to be the leaders. And we're going to go through a four-week curriculum uh, created by Craig Rochelle. He did it like, it's like 12 years old, but we went through it a couple times together. We really love it. The first week, it focused on this seeking God. And today we focus on seeking God through prayer. Week number two is going to be about fighting fair. And if I'm honest, we, Tiffany and I still have arguments that lead into the things that look like non-physical fights, and it gets awkward at times. How, how do you do that in a, in a godly Christian way? And then we're going to learn about how to have fun together and how to stay pure and how to never give up. I would encourage you to never give up. If, if you uh, are in a marriage, maybe, maybe you're newlyweds or maybe you're engaged or you've been married for 55 years, we encourage you to join us for this class. Use this QR code and, and register. Uh, give me a call in the office. Give me a message on Facebook. We want to be prepared for you. But I would love to see that gymnasium right over here full of, of husbands and wives that want to move forward together and fail-proof their marriage under God's design as we seek to follow Jesus together. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and, and an awesome marriage is possible. Bringing up children God's way is possible. Growing as a church family is possible, but let's seek Jesus and his kingdom first. If today maybe you've decided that you're never going to get married, man, I... I applaud that if that's your call. Maybe you've decided to, to begin to pray with your wife or your husband. Maybe right now grab their hand and say, hey, we're, we're going to make a commitment. To we're going to pray daily for one another. Maybe, maybe it's silently. Maybe it's over supper. Maybe it's laying in bed at night. But we're going to do this. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, I'm not going to give up on my marriage. And I need prayer. I'd love to pray with you. Maybe come and see me this week or right down here at a moment. But, but we want to know we're in this together. But maybe most importantly, this will not work unless you seek God first. And what I literally mean by that is if you've never put Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you're struggling in marriage, there's no wonder why, because he's got to be number one. So today as we sing this song, whatever decision you may have, know that we're making a covenant with God and we're trusting him to provide. But we've got to put him first. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for today and this opportunity to put you first again and again and again. I, I pray for these husbands and wives that they would lift each other up in prayer and pray for wisdom and strength and 
enjoyment and fun and all the things, the blessings of marriage. Lord, if there's someone here that's not yet put you first, I pray that their hearts are open to that and they move forward in that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with us as we sing?